Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Some asked him, Lord, there are, only, are there only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, make every effort to enter the, through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will send, stand outside, knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you or who you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you talk in our streets. But he will reply, I do not know you or where you come from. Away from me, you all you evildoers. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets of the kingdom of God. But you yourself thrown out. People will come from east, west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. Thank you, Annabelle. Thank you for a um, great reading there. Um, Trevor, thank you for, thank you for joining us uh, today. Um, all the way from London, I think it is. Is that right? Is, yeah, yeah. South London. Um, <laughs> everyone. Right, and I know, I know you know a good number of people um, across across our church. Yeah. Your time at the Ardley Baptist Church, and for when you did the, the Lent services for us. Um, do you want to just maybe just tell us what you've been doing um, since we last saw you? Yeah, so we, uh, gosh, I think next month or this month, it's going to be two years since we moved. Uh, we have been, uh, since August 20th, down in Selsden in South Croydon and uh, been leading Selsden Baptist Church, uh, which is very different setting to, uh, to Yardley Woods. Uh, slightly larger congregation, uh, very multicultural. Uh, I, I think we are at a point where... I expect that however long my ministry is here, we, we will probably be a black majority church uh, by the end of that time, changing very quickly. So uh, a lot of challenges, uh, busy place, uh, a lot of busy people uh, who are now in this rhythm of lockdown uh, and so on as well. But uh, it feels like the right place to be at the minute. It's, it's, it's been a good move. Yeah. Thanks, Mark. That's great, thank you. And and I, um, you mentioned lockdown there. How's that been for you and, and your church and your family? Uh, I think it's probably been similar to how I think many churches are, are experiencing it. I think there was a rush of uh, activity and uh, adaption at the beginning. Uh, interestingly, we've been doing recorded services online, so uh, so actually preaching on Zoom. To, to a sea of live faces is, is a new experience. I'll have to see how that goes. Uh, or, or you'll have to see how it goes, uh, more to the point. Um, but, but what I would say is, I, I think in more recent weeks, um, 
seeing quite a lot of tiredness as well. And I, and I think what a lot of the experts were predicting, weren't they? And people who have been sounding alarm bells about, uh, I think, fatigue setting in. Uh, I, th I think a bit of fear and anxiety, uh, not so much around having COVID, but I think just negotiating life and negotiating interactions with people. What can we do? What are we not allowed to do? Uh, and maybe just a dawning sense, we're, we're in this for a while. So I think God's been with us uh, and God's been good, but I wouldn't want to gloss over the challenges. I think, I guess we're all facing, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Okay, well, thank you for that. And just in terms of where you're at in your ministry and things at the moment, what are the things you're particularly passionate about right now? Uh, I think really, what would I say I'm passionate about? I am passionate about uh, theology and an understanding of the gospel, uh, which is which is big enough <laughs> and fit for purpose enough to to help us negotiate what is actually going on in the world around us and and uh, a theology which says more than just we have our, our own little personal Jesus to help us through this, but we 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 have a God who is redeeming the whole world and reconciling everything to Himself in Christ. Uh, and, and we are called to put on display a new kingdom, uh, which is which is coming in. And uh, I, I wonder if, you know, we're just facing huge struggles, aren't we? And huge things happening in our world at the minute. What does it mean to follow Jesus uh, in the time of pandemic? Uh, and when there is an awakening urgency about Black Lives, black lives and how they matter, uh, when I think our politics is 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 more unsettled than it has been in years in the West. So what what, what does the gospel say to that, I guess, is, is something I feel deeply passionate about. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that, Trevor. And, and perhaps you're probably going to touch on some of those themes as you go into a, a really um, challenging passage now, actually, as we as we go into to Luke 13. Um, can I can I just pray for you for a moment before oh, before yeah. you speak? Um, and and um, just just before I pray for you as well, just for everybody else uh, on on the on the call this morning, um, do be using the chat as we do most weeks. But do be be using the chat to to share where you feel God's leading, how you feel God's speaking this morning. And as a, as ever, if you would actually like somebody to pray with you, um, there are people who could pray with you in a breakout room. Do just send a message to Paul on the Alton Baptist Church end, and he will do his best endeavours to get you into a, a breakout room with someone to, to pray for you. So, um, so so just to remind everybody of that, but let me pray for you now, Trevor, and then if you'd like to um, take it away. So Lord Jesus, we want to uh, thank you for Trevor. Thank you for his willingness to speak to us this morning. Thank you for his willingness to engage in your word and in your kingdom, to be listening both to the word and to the world uh, and seeing how, how you're calling us to speak into that and to live in that. And I do pray for him now, Lord Jesus, would you be blessing him? Take his words, please, Lord, and use them. Um, would you be speaking through, through him to each of us, Lord? Would you be using your spirit to speak into our hearts and to convict us, bring us to repentance, to change us, Lord, to spur us on to be living uh, for your kingdom? Amen. Mm. Amen. Uh, thanks, Mark. And... Uh... Thanks uh, to all of you for the invitation. Uh, it, it's just been, uh, uh, it, it's been a delight to see so many familiar faces uh, and uh, it's not quite home from home, but but I, I feel like I got to know 
a number of you really well and uh, had a very precious friendship with Tim uh, as he and I walked together in in, uh, in my time in Birmingham. Uh, I worked a lot with Tracy uh, over at Yardleywood and TLG as well. So it, it's, it's an honour to be back with you and uh, thank you. And thanks Annabelle as well for um, for reading to us, that, that, was, that was great. So to Luke 13 and uh, this, this challenging section of teaching, uh, which we find here in uh, verses 22 to 30, uh, I thought I'd perhaps start my reflections by uh, encouraging us to think about perspectives. Uh, I don't know if it's possible, Paul, to, to show that picture, uh, which is uh, on the first of the slides, but um, maybe I could encourage you to, to have a look at this, this picture, which I came across the other week, and uh, the figure who you will see uh, in front of you in, in the centre of the screen is uh, Marcello Bielsa, who is the uh, manager, uh, Argentinian manager of Leeds United. You might have heard of him recently because uh, he's just led Leeds back uh, into um, the promised land uh, of the Premiership after uh, many years in the wilderness. And Bielsa is regarded as, as a brilliant coach, but also something of, a, of an obsessive. And that even extends to how he watches matches from the sidelines. So as you will see, um, traditionally Bielsa has always sat on a bucket uh, and watched games from there, not, not uh, standing up uh, and not in the dugout like other coaches, but he sits crouched down almost at the level of the pitch because uh, he is convinced that it's only at that level with that perspective that he can really see what's going on and, and he can really see the patterns of play on the pitch. And uh, sadly, nothing is precious. And um, instead of sitting on a bucket, he now sits on one of these special little seats, which Leeds United make and will now sell you for 80 of your English pounds uh, because everything is commercialised. But I would just like to maybe invite you to, to think about that issue of perspective. You know, so the vantage point from which we look at things alters our perspective on them. There are things we'll be able to see clearly, but others will be blind to, depending on how we look at things. And there might also be presumptions we have uh, or experiences we have, uh, which lie behind the observations we make. Uh, or the questions we ask. It's interesting, we were talking earlier about how lockdown has been in Salston. I remember a couple of months ago having a, a conversation with someone in Salston. They spoke to me about how excited they were about returning to church after lockdown. Uh, and they said, it's going to be great because we're going to have a wonderful party and all we're going to want to do is celebrate. Uh, and I remember sort of gently trying to say, I'm not sure it is going to be a party, actually. I think we're just going to have to step back and, 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 and listen and hear each other's stories. And it uh, might be if you think everyone's going to want to, to, to celebrate, it might be more reflection from where you've been at, but, but maybe not the rest of us. So I've been thinking about this issue of perspective and presumptions, and particularly what lies behind this question, which um, we find Jesus being asked in Luke 13, verse 23, Lord, are, are only a few people going to be saved? Um, we, we spent some time looking at Luke's gospel in Salston uh, earlier this year. We, we didn't actually look at this particular passage, but um, we, we spent a lot of time, and I'm sure you've, you've 
touched on this a lot yourselves. A lot of times thinking about how Luke is, is often spoken of as the outsider's gospel. So there's this uh, fault line, isn't there, that seems to run through the book. You've got a division between insiders and outsiders. Uh, and frequently, of course, in, in ways that seem to run counter to everyone's assumptions, it, it turns out in Luke that it's, it's the outsiders who are drawn to Jesus. Uh, who are welcomed by Jesus, their, their, their brokenness somehow seems also to make them more able and ready to, to understand his teaching uh, and, and enter his kingdom. So I, I, I had a little look on your website, and I know that already in this series you've, you've met the sinful woman who anoints Jesus with perfume. You've uh, encountered Jesus eating with sinners at, at, at Levi's home. You've studied the, the, the very upside-down uh, Beatitudes. So this theme of outsiders you'll, you'll be familiar with. Now, we, we don't know who asks this question, which we find in verse 23. We're, we're only told that it's, it's posed by, by someone who Jesus meets on, on what's called the travel narrative. So you've got this big part of the gospel where Jesus is on the road. He's going from Galilee to, to Jerusalem. But, but to me, the question feels like a bit of a giveaway. In, do, do you notice it's not... Lord, how do I get saved? Instead, it's, it's Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And I can't help feeling that the, the, the question is a bit of a giveaway about where the person who asks it is coming from. It almost feels as if the implication might be, actually, how many other people are going to join me uh, whenever I'm saved? Now, a number of the commentators who've written on this passage have pointed out this, this question is a big subject, heavily debated within uh, the, the Judaism of Jesus' day. Uh, and it's often bound up with the question of, of who makes up the true Israel, who, who is regarded as being among a, a remnant of, of God's people. Uh, and yet Jesus, as is so often the case, he doesn't appear to be interested in answering the question as it's framed. Do you see that? Instead, he moves the goalposts. And then there seems to be this other thing he does, which is, which is very Jesus, typical Jesus. He doesn't serve up a black and white answer, which closes down any debate on the issue. But instead, he gives us what feels um, like a set of contradictory statements. It's quite a hard passage, this, isn't it, to get our heads around. To, to remember what he says. So he starts off by offering us this image of uh, a narrow door, um, which initially seems to suggest the idea of not many people making it through. And um, he says that himself, doesn't he, in verse 25, he says, we need to make every effort to, to get in through the door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to. So um, it's quite a strange image, isn't it? It seems to suggest a kind of um, kind of jostling for position. And, and it, it's followed up with another statement, which, which seems to be even more stark. And, and we're told not just that the door is narrow, but the time will come when the door is shut. So, so we can't just presume there will always be an opportunity, you know, at, at a time of our choosing to rock up and, and walk through. There is this suggestion, this picture uh, of a cutoff point uh, when almost time will be called uh, on anyone else walking through the door. 
Uh, and I'm sure we remember this, this, this terrible moment of refused entry. And it's made even worse by the fact that when people beg for one more chance to come in, uh, when, they, they, they talk in terms of saying they know the owner of the house. They've ate with him and drank with him. So clearly these are people who expect to be allowed in, which makes it all the more shocking when he sends them away uh, and he says he never knew them. Uh, and um, quite challenging, you know, when you think about the original vantage point, the original perspective of the first listeners, here is Luke writing his gospel for early Christians. The focal point of when they worship each week is, is a communion meal, they break bread, they, 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 they drink wine, and then they hear these words of warning, coming along, eating and drinking. Not, not a guarantee that I know you. So, so he talks of, of this terrible pain which will be experienced. You know, my goodness, gnashing of teeth uh, on the part of those who, who find themselves on the outside looking in at this final moment. And yet he then says something else which appears to be in contradiction to, to what's gone before it. And we've got this remarkable thing described, verse 29, of lots of people coming into the kingdom. So do you remember what he says there? Many will come from east and west and north and south and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. So it's, it's a scene which is, is rooted in, in other scenes. We find them in prophets like Isaiah chapter 2, you know, lots of people being drawn to the mountain of the Lord. Uh, Jeremiah 3 talks about all the nations uh, gathering in Jerusalem. You think back even to Abraham, uh, who is spoken of in verse, verse 28. Who's, it was promised that all the nations would be blessed through him. And, and now Jesus says, he talks of a time coming when lots and lots of people, east, west, north and south, are being welcomed in. But not everyone. Lots of people will be welcomed in, but be careful, you might not make it yourself. And, and then he finishes by telling us that uh, those who are last will be first, and those who are first will be, be last, which is just so Luke, uh, isn't it? You know, you've thought already about the Beatitudes. You, you think about how this is a gospel that starts with prophecy by Mary about how the hunger are going to be filled with good things and the rich sent away empty-handed and um, I just found myself wondering what, what do we make of this uh, and, and I find myself wondering about uh, just this issue of, of perspective and location uh, and, and how might what is being said here be a sort of wake-up call for me uh, and a call for me to look at things uh, afresh. So there, there are just two questions which I find I need to ask myself in, in, in light of Luke 13. And uh, I think we'll have them up on the slide. Thanks, Paul, just, just to finish with. So I, I suppose I find myself asking, you know, in what ways have I become complacent or overly casual in, in my relationship with Jesus? You know, I'm struck afresh when I look at the image of the narrow door uh, and I look again at what Jesus says about making every effort with me, you know, make every effort to enter through the door. So this is not a door you can just waltz through without any cost attached. Uh, and people who are casual, Jesus seems to be saying, might not make it through this door. It requires a lot of commitments, 
uh, and a lot of energy. And, and you read on uh, one more chapter in Luke and you'll find Jesus talking there about, you know, considering the cost, be like someone who, who's, who's going to build a tower, <laughs> you know, that they, they think, can I, can I follow through in this building project? Have I weighed up the cost of, of, uh, of, of, of staff and of um, building materials that I need to, to make this construction? I think what Dietrich Bonhoeffer spoke about when he, he contrasted costly grace and, and, and cheap grace. There's, there's a cost here. And, and I wonder, is there a challenge here, you know, for a lot of us? Because I think, uh, you know, if we're nice, respectable people, if we work hard, if we pay our taxes, if I've been in church uh, for a long time and I get to know the ropes and I know the terminology, uh, it's quite easy just to, to, to fit into church and be going along to church uh, and even maybe make work church work on my terms uh, and it becomes quite routine. It, it doesn't require a, 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 lot of, a lot of effort necessarily. Uh, and slowly but surely we, we can, if we're not careful, just become complacent and maybe not even think of ourselves as people who need to do you know, a lot of repenting, who really need to turn our back on one way of life and, and strive for the kingdom. You know, I spoke about outsiders, but Luke's gospel is, is, is full of people like this, uh, insiders, and they know their Bibles and they know the scriptures of Israel. And, and, and they somehow either miss the point or they fail to recognize Jesus or, or actually they can't fully face up to the cost of being his disciple. Uh, and Jesus speaks here, it's hard, isn't it? But he speaks a word of, of, about cost for their presumptuousness. And, and maybe this is one of the challenges. Many of us probably might be closer to being an insider than an outsider uh, as we hear these words. So there's something here about, am I making every effort in, in my walk with him? And then there's another question I find myself asking, uh, in what ways um, have I become presumptuous about who's in and who's out? Uh, and I think again about that question, which this, this mystery questioner asks, you know, which I think is, who, who's going to join me in being in? Who, who's going to join me uh, in, being, in being saved? And I think if we have been, again, in church for a long time, when... When we consider the issue of what someone who's saved looks like, it's painfully easy to think, um, to put it bluntly, someone who's saved looks like me, you know, and my friends and the people in my home group and, and so forth. And, and again, here is Jesus and he does what he always does. He just, he cuts across our presumptions. He urges us not to presume. He, he urges us to do all we can to make sure we come through the door while, while reminding us uh, that there's going to be far more people taking their place at the feast than we can imagine. Uh, and, you know, again, this, this issue of being presumptuous, it's problematic at so many levels. People who are, are presumptuous, they remain blind to what they don't know. They maybe fail to learn because they think God can only work through certain people and in certain ways. God is only active uh, in, in certain places. Uh, there's an old definition uh, of, of, of preaching, and I, I, I'm never quite able to find a, a definitive uh, answer about who said it, um, but, but it speaks of how uh, good preaching, 
comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. I want to think about that phrase for a minute. Good preaching comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. And, and doesn't Jesus do that all the time? Uh, he's always, it seems to me, shaking me out of my comfort, my, my presumptions, because he prods me and he probes and he says, take my word, wrestle with it. Don't be complacent. Keep asking questions and, and, and keep seeking. So here's a story again, or a passage that, that, that he, he teaches. And, and for some, he offers good news. For, for people who always feel like they're last and never see beyond their brokenness, he says, you're going to make it. And, and actually, you, you might make it in first place. And, and for people who are on an inside track, he, he's saying, you know, just... Just step back again and think uh, and, and, and pause and um, don't be too quick to move on in thinking you've got this worked out. But, but maybe you stay in that questioning, seeking uh, posture yourself. Uh, shall, we, shall we pray uh, for a moment? Uh, loving God, these are, um, you know, <laughs> We, we find them confronting us with um, the challenge you confront us with so often, Jesus. Um, you know, for those of us who've maybe been in a place for a while where not intentionally and, and, and didn't set out to be in this place, we, we just think, you know, we got this worked out, we've got this sussed, we, 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 we think we're okay. We don't want to lose our assurance. May that never be so. But but would, we, would you help us to uh, just stay in that place of being those who ask, who seek, who knock, and who who who, who are intentional and make every effort to uh, keep following you and come through the door that you, you you set before us, the door which leads to life. And I just want to pray as well for maybe some of us who are here this morning or people we know. And we just don't think we're ever going to make it through. And uh, we feel every day at the minute is a day when we're confronted with our uh, unworthiness, our brokenness, our frailty. Help us to know that you set this door open. And for those of us who think of ourselves as in last place, you're going to bring us through. And uh, you're going to put us in, in first place in your kingdom. Because you are the God of reversal. And uh, you're turning the world upside down, and it is always your desire that the hungry be filled with good things. I pray this in your name. Amen. 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 I think we're going to listen to uh, a song now, and uh, it's, uh, I don't know if anyone is familiar with this song. It's, it's something I came across uh, a little while ago. Um, uh, the song is called is, is He Worthy? And there's a particular refrain or, or bridge at the end of the second course, which talks about, uh, uh, you know, that great vision again of how from every people and tribe and every nation and tongue, uh, those God called by God will, will reign with, with Jesus. So uh, we'll listen to that in a moment. Thank you again. My apologies. I need to go in about 10 minutes, uh, unfortunately, to, to answer a Q&A <laughs> about a sermon at Salston. So if I drop off the call fairly soon, apologies. But... Uh, Thank you again for the chance to share with you. Thanks. Do you feel the world is broken? 
blessing and honor and glory is he worthy of things he is does the father truly love us does the spirit Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves.